0: Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. This time, we're gonna talk about crisis crisis and compliance. Um, crisis is something that is on the minds of anybody who's paying attention to the news in the last, uh, I don't know, year, uh, but uh, but something that I think is worthwhile to talk about. Again, I th- we've talked a little bit about crisis management in the past, but I wanted to uh, in particular talk about Steve Denning's uh, four rules of crisis management. And, uh, you know, some examples uh, that we've seen recently where that those rules have not uh, been been uh, followed uh, and how they apply um, in specific, specifically to compliance. I think that's an important aspect, of course, for us to talk about. Uh, but first, uh, I've been promising for a while that there are going to be some more free webinars, and I've got two to talk about uh, that are coming up. The first is uh, Bullying in the Workplace, a Comprehensive Ethics and Compliance Overview. Uh, This is a a webinar that's being put on by ECI. Uh, Links will be in the show notes here uh, for those of you who um, are interested in participating in that uh, free webinar. Um, That is coming up on October the 18th, 2018 at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Again, uh, I'll have the information on where to sign up for that webinar in the show notes here. And if you have any questions about that, you can also just get in contact with me directly and I'm happy to get you the information about that webinar, Bullying in the Workplace. I'm going to be one of several panelists on that webinar. That'll include uh, Kim Yapchai, the CCO at Teneco, and Ellen Cobb. we will have more information about that webinar as we get closer that's going to be again be next month uh, in October. Also in October uh, I hope to see you uh, for those of you that are going to participate uh, in Las Vegas for the SCCE uh, Annual Compliance and Ethics um, Institute. Um, We will be there we will be exhibiting in um, Las Vegas at the Caesars Palace, and that's October 21st through the 23rd, I believe, is when the exhibits are open. That's Sunday through Tuesday. Um, The event goes on through Wednesday, but uh, 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 you won't be able to come by and see uh, my fancy booth, which is really not that fancy, uh, unless you're there uh, during the first few days. But if you're going to be in Las Vegas, please, please do come by and see us at our booth uh, for more head compliance consulting. Uh, and then also in later in October, October is a busy month this year, uh, there will be another webinar. Um, it is a repeat of the webinar I did earlier in the year with the Clear Law Institute, updating your code of conduct best practices, uh, which is everything you ever wanted to know about updating and revising your code of conduct, but we're afraid to ask. And that's gonna be on October 26th, which is a Friday. Um, actually the same week as the uh, SCCE, but on on Friday of that week. Uh, And that's going to be at uh, noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern. Also, uh, we'll try to put some information about that uh, in the show notes. I'm not sure if there's a sign up available yet for that. If there is, I will put the link in the show notes. If not this week, uh, certainly by next week's podcast, should have more information about that uh, Code of Conduct Best Practices webinar. Um, that one is not free. Uh, Clear, Clear Law Institute charges, but you get uh, credit, uh, uh, both uh, I believe CLE and uh, 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 compliance credits for that. Uh, but don't uh, don't quote me on that just yet. I need to see once they get the page up uh, what credits are available. So that does. It uh, does, does cost money to participate with uh, on that particular webinar, but you do um, get credit for those who, who need to get credit for their various licenses. Um, that's an opportunity to listen to me opine about code of conduct development, revision, benchmarking, uh, expectations from stakeholders, including our friends in the federal government here in the United States. Um, all of that included, uh, along with a question and answer session uh, at the end, uh, for those of you who have specific questions about code of conduct development. Uh, so that's what the clear law Institute, uh, again, I'll put some information in the show notes here. I'm not sure that there's a link, a live link ready for that one for sign up yet, but if there is, I will include it. Uh, but you know, check with, uh, with me next week, uh, or the next podcast, uh, um, uh, and and we should have some more information uh, about that. So a busy October coming up. Uh, we've been kind of quiet during the summer uh, but now uh, we're starting to be less quiet uh, as the uh, summer ends and we are uh, headed into um, headed into a busy fall. Um, when you head into a busy season like this that's uh, when uh, Sometimes when you least expect it, when everything else is going on, when you have projects underway, when you have other things that you need to do, that's when a crisis hits. And when a crisis hits, and this is the first thing that I think we all are aware of, it's too late to plan for what the process will be. Um, when a crisis hits, uh, when a crisis hits, um, um, going back way back into the earlier part of my career, when I was a criminal defense lawyer um, and uh, did a lot of internal investigations and worked with organizations that had gone through a crisis, uh, one of the thing that was, things that was immediately evident about organizations that had particularly serious problems is there wasn't a crisis management plan or, or a really uh, well Thought-out crisis management plan in place for, for many of those organizations. Um, one uh, organization, one is situation that springs to mind uh, rather uh, acutely in my mind because I was uh, in Houston at the time was the um, uh, th- the disaster around uh, the offshore Deep Horizon. Uh, BP, uh, you know, rather famously, did not handle uh, crisis management very well during that process. Uh, there. Uh, then-chair um, uh, chairman of the board actually landed in Houston and, and made an impromptu, impromptu statement that did not go over well. Um, and there were many other missteps along the way. And I think uh, anybody who's studied that particular case or cases like it in the last, say, 15, 20 years, Uh, knows that uh, oftentimes one of the reasons the wheels sort of come off the carriage right away is because there isn't a plan in place like who is responsible for communication to the media for example Um, that doesn't really necessarily strike you probably as a compliance issue but it definitely affects uh, the operation of your compliance program during a crisis situation if uh, you have various different people from the chairman of the board and the CEO all the way down perhaps throughout the organization who are variously speaking to the media and not necessarily with the same voice Uh, so uh, having a plan in place having an idea of who is responsible for what who is going to have the relationship uh, with the media who is going to have the relationship with our customers who is going to have the relationship with any regulators that might be involved Uh, those are all things that are very very important to have in place well before uh, crisis actually strikes and that's sort of a preamble that's not actually one of Steve Denning's uh, four rules of crisis management um, although it is sort of related to his second rule. But I wanted to talk about his four rules of crisis management because it's something that's come up recently here in a couple of different scenarios, including the Kavanaugh uh, debacle um, in, uh, in the Senate right now. Uh, as I speak to you on Tuesday, uh, September the 25th, 2018, uh, it's still up in the air as to what's going to happen with uh, the Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty details. That's not the point of this podcast. Uh, But it is definitely a crisis. And if you look at the um, uh, Republican senators in the Judiciary Committee, as those who were uh, along with the White House primarily responsible for managing any such crisis, uh, they have not done. um, Their their response to the crisis as it's unfolding has been um, not according to to uh, any rules that, that I have seen promulgated before uh, with regards to responding to a crisis management. So what are those rules? What are four things that we as compliance officers ought to be aware of and start thinking about before the crisis actually strikes? Uh, first is uh, recognizing a crisis as a crisis. Um, so I think w- what you can do in preparation uh, to to be able to better recognize a crisis is take a look around at what's going on. Uh, the Me Too movement, for example, which is intertwined with what's going on Uh, with the uh, Kavanaugh nomination uh, and and so many other things uh, a renewed focus on harassment, harassment policy, harassment training Uh, What's the monitoring and auditing? What's the culture like in your organization? You uh, uh, may not, uh, a crisis may not have happened yet, and you may not be able to put a name on a future crisis that is unknowable at this point, Uh, but you can make some pretty good speculation uh, uh, on what are some potential uh, crises. Uh, crises that might be out there that you can try to get uh, your arms around in preparation and say, okay, what are some things that we ought to be on the lookout for? Uh, How will we be able to recognize a crisis when it is happening? Uh, That's rule number one, is recognizing that there is a crisis. Uh, And and I think a subset of that is implementing that plan, that team uh, that is ready to go uh, both on communication, both on uh, investigation, um, uh, on uh, managing any other stakeholders that are out there, uh, on coordinating all of this, on communicating to the board of directors. Um, you know, uh, have, a, have some idea, have, spend some time thinking about what are some potential issues that could come up and think about how you're going to react to those. Uh, the second role of crisis management is get out as much information as possible as soon as possible particularly any negative information. Try to beat uh, uh, to the punch uh, on anything that is going to be particularly negative so that you uh, can control that message, that you can control the reputational risks uh, to the organization. I think that's really important, and that dovetails with what I was saying before about having um, a, a plan in place for who communicates outside the organization to the various stakeholders, including the media. Um, you need to have a conduit to get that information out to the stakeholders you need to get it out to whether that's regulators whether that's uh, potential victims or clients or customers or other stakeholders that are out there Um, uh, if it's a data breach for example uh, you know getting the information out as soon as possible and uh, trying to get ahead of any negative information is really important. Um, This is where I think a compliance officer uh, or those responsible for compliance can be really helpful, particularly can be really helpful with the um, legal department uh, of most organizations. Because the legal department of most organizations, traditionally, this is not always the case, but traditionally, um, they um, uh, want to have total information management control. Um, and that tends to err on the side of not sharing information. Um, well, you need to have a discussion about whether, how uh, damaging that might be to the organization to not share that information with the relevant stakeholders that are out there, external to the organization, uh, including the media in, in some cases. So uh, I think that the, the compliance department can be a great counterweight in some circumstances to the more... Uh, conservative position that is um, sometimes uh, the legal department stakes out in these situations where they don't want to release anything or they want to be very, very judicious about what they release. I think it's important to have both sides of that argument. You don't want to obviously just release everything. But, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, you don't want to be so closed off that you somehow you end up looking like you're hiding the ball and that you're not uh, um, being forthright and transparent. People, stakeholders, uh, the population, the community at large out there. Uh, we are a, um, a society in, in here in the United States, but, but, but in the Western world, certainly, and growing uh, throughout the, the global community. Uh, we're, we're a community that expects transparency. And that really is a push and pull uh, with the traditional sort of crisis management that you get from a legal perspective. So I think that you need to try to be a voice uh, as a compliance officer uh, for um, uh, really querying uh, hard and being um, uh, being um, uh, on the other side of the coin about uh, uh, situations where the executives and/or uh, the legal department wants to hold back, you need to you know have a serious discussion with them about okay, what are the repercussions about holding back this information? What are the repercussions for our reputation long term? How is that going to pre- be perceived uh, in the broader community with our stakeholders that are external to to the organization uh, about uh, you know what 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 is that going to look like uh, are we being as transparent as we possibly can that's the second rule the third rule of crisis management is if, avoid saying anything that has to be withdrawn so this is uh, goes I think hand-in-hand hand with what we were just talking about you definitely don't want to rush out there and just dump information into the public domain whether that's uh to the media or to regulators or to your stakeholders to potential victims to consumers uh whoever that is Uh, you want to make sure that it is accurate so if the second rule is transparency it's transparency tempered by the third third rule which is accuracy that's hard to do in um, a um, short short notice. it's hard to be uh, agile um, and be accurate. Um, so you know these are all moving pieces and but but you want to, uh, again, this is why it's important to think about this stuff before, beforehand. What are some ways uh, that you can uh, ensure accuracy of the information that you're collecting? Um, what kind of monitoring systems do you have in place uh, for misconduct or for data breach or for whatever the issue is? And how, um, how uh, convinced are you that those systems are accurate in the data that they capture? Uh, so that you know, if you get some data down the road that doesn't look so good, how um, how uh, uh, sure are you that that data is accurate and complete? Um, you need to test that now, so that later, when you don't have a lot of time, you can rely on those systems and, because you've tested them before and you're and you're pretty certain of their accuracy. And then the last rule of crisis management, which is sort of a no-brainer, and it really all these rules really dovetail dovetail together, is avoid doing anything that looks like it It is a cover-up. That's the absolute worst thing. You know, we've heard this for many, many years now, going all the way back to Watergate. There's sort of this uh, cliche or a mantra that's out there about crisis management and also about criminal law. Really, honestly, it's something that came up quite a bit in my career as a criminal attorney. And that's the cover-up is always worse than the crime. We've heard that a million times. So we don't want to avoid. We want to avoid anything that looks like we're trying to play hide the ball. And this really dovetails with uh, being transparent, and accurately transparent too. Uh, because if it looks like you're being forthright, if you're being honest with your stakeholders, with the regulators, with the media, with the public at large about something that went wrong that was not so great, uh, but you're coming. Th- forward and you're coming clean uh, then that's always going to inure to your benefit uh, and not only with the the public at large or your stakeholders but also with uh, most regulators. Um, The last thing you want to do is find out something that you really ought to be uh, transparent about and not be transparent about it or uh, uh, doing something that uh, is contrary uh, to what the, the, the truth of the matter or the or the facts on the ground might be, a perfect example that's gone on here in the last few days with this Kavanaugh uh, uh, conf- confirmation uh, situation is that one uh, of one of the, one of the uh, people out there in the uh, in the Kavanaugh supporting media uh, released a statement suggesting somebody else might have committed this act back in high school that Kavanaugh has been accused of. And they had to very quickly with, withdraw that uh, accusation because it was completely false. Uh, that didn't help anyone. And the person that uh, engaged in that might actually you know, have some potentially have some civil liability down the road. Who knows? maybe not but it uh, just illustrates the fact that you know the last thing you want to do is uh, come forward with something do something that looks like you're playing hide the ball Uh, the cover-up is always 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 worse than the crime you don't want to do that so those are the uh, uh, Steve Denning's uh, four rules of crisis management i think those are really important for uh, compliance officers to understand because we have a role compliance officers have a role uh, in crisis management. If you don't, that's uh, an oversight of the organization because, uh, you know, the the compliance systems, particularly the monitoring and auditing tools and systems and processes that are in place are going to be integral to any kind of crisis management um, situation to evaluating what happened to reporting uh, accurately and quickly on what happened so there's just really no way that compliance can't be involved in that process um, And obviously any kind of uh, mitigation of a crisis incident is going to have to include training communication Um, all of the things that go along with the compliance responsibilities. So if you're not involved uh, in crisis management at the organization, uh, I think you need to make queries as to why that is and and, uh, see if uh, you can get a conversation started. So I hope that that was helpful. And I hope uh, as we get into October here, Uh, In the next week or so, Um, I'll get you more information about uh, the webinars that are coming up. I hope to see you in Las Vegas if you are attending the SCCE uh, Compliance and Ethics Institute at Caesars Caesar's Palace on October 21st through 24th, I believe. Uh, Please come by and see me if you happen to be there. Uh, Otherwise, um, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you very much. Oh, 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 if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast please, please, please subscribe. It means a lot. Um, Subscribe uh, and do send us emails. Uh, Do get in touch if you have questions. Uh, about anything I've talked about if you have uh, suggestions for future podcasts uh, if you'd like to talk to us about anything uh, you can reach me at Eric at moreheadconsulting.com or you can uh, email uh, compliance beat uh, at the email address on, at the compliance beat website wwwcompliancebeat.com thank you very much and until next time thanks for listening to compliance beat check out our website compliancebeat.com this podcast is brought to you by Morehead compliance Consulting. Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moreheadconsulting.com.